Pressure right up the middle. Kosi will come. Nofoinga comes up the middle, and there's just a big pressure that's put on by Maltosi, and then it's off to the races for Nofo. A huge turn of events. Cougars were looking like they were going to put it in the end zone or get three out of it. Touchdown like they did, Baylor did to UNLV. What an incredible finish to that football game a week ago. That'll be the final snap. Welcome back for another edition of the Big Sky Podcast Network Power Rankings. Joint production with Tubbs of the Club. That's the channel you're watching. And the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau. You guys know the drill. The podcast rankings are put together by a combination of Big Sky Podcast Network contributors. Guys like me, Dallas Hammer, and Martin Heemstra from Tubbs of the Club. Mike Nugent, Brent Wahlberg from Grizz Fan Pod. Both the Ryans from R&R CatCast. Colby Peterson. Chappie, a.k.a. Dustin Chapman from Weber State Weekly, Casey Everett from NAU Big Sky Sports, as well as regional beat rep reporters who cover different Big Sky schools or different media entities covering the Big Sky Conference. Guys like Colton Juanez from Skyline Sports, Greg Woods for covering Idaho State, Jordan Watson covering, um, sorry, Jaden Watson, guys, forgive me, Jane, covering Northern, Northern Colorado. Look, we get people from all over all over the conference, people who know what they're talking about. Votes are averaged out. That's your ranking. So you might have disagreement with some of the rankings we have. If you do, comment on Twitter. If you're watching live, comment on the show. I might be able to get to them. It's a solo endeavor, so we're going to see. But we're also going to change up a little bit of the way we talk about the teams because, look, we're deep enough into the season, guys, that we know who sucks. And I'm not going to waste 20 minutes of an hour-ish show talking about teams who suck. So we're officially batching the bad teams together so we can spend more time talking about the better teams. Cause look, we're in the playoff hunt. Now we're, uh, we're eight games in or we're, we're in week eight. Some, some teams are eight games in some teams are seven. We actually have a handful of teams on bye week this week. So it is a little bit different, but uh, by the way, Max in the comment thread telling me, don't forget to unmute. You know what, Max? Thank you. You guys have my back. You guys are what saved me from the two-minute mute session being a 55 to one-hour minute mute session. So I think we're good to go because no one's telling me I'm muted, and I don't see it anywhere. But uh, again, doing it a little bit different, batching the shitty teams and talking a little bit longer about the teams that are in the playoff hunt because we're deep enough in the season. And also just how the schedule played out with the first half of the season, none of the better teams really played each other. We're now at the point where week in, week out, Good teams are going to play each other, and these these games are going to matter for playoff seeding. So we're going to jump right in with batching the worst teams. Bottom three, uh, who I'm going to call the undisputed bottom. Number 12, Idaho State. Number 11, Northern Colorado. Number 10, Cal Poly. All of these teams have a fork stuck in them. They're done for this season. And they're, I don't care what any voters or any like any viewer or listener thinks about the ordering of 12, 11, 10 right now in the big sky. All three teams suck. All are interchangeable. There's an argument week by week for why Idaho State should be 11 and Cal Poly 12 or Northern Colorado 10. All of these all of these three teams are just terrible. They're clearly bottom of the barrel in the big sky. They're teams that virtually everyone in the conference looks forward to watching. Uh, this week, running through uh, 
12-10-1. Idaho State, look, the, the magic is gone from Idaho State. Idaho State goes down to Northern Arizona, 24-10. Nothing really notable about Idaho State scoring 10 points. Again, Idaho State is just a bad team. Uh, Hunter Hayes was back again at second-string quarterback. He goes 22-37 uh, for 216 yards, so it's one touchdown, one pick. Uh, we'll say Raiden Hunter, his one rush for 38 yards uh, ha- did help pump up his average. But if you look at team stats, NAU, we're going to get to them pretty quick. They're not a very good team. And uh, look, Idaho State gave up 297 total yards and still found a way to lose by 14. That's your that's your Idaho State Bengals, guys. So moving on from Idaho State, number 11, Northern Colorado. Northern Colorado had a pretty rough week going down 58 to 10 to UC Davis. Uh, really just a bloodbath the entire way through UC Davis leads 27 to three at halftime, but it didn't really get much closer because the UC Davis then outscored Northern Colorado 31 to seven in the second half. Uh, really impressive that Northern Colorado allowed Davis, uh, 484 yards and Davis found a way to score 58 points off that. How do you do that? Well, Northern Colorado turned the ball over four times, uh, two picks, two lost fumbles. Uh, The only bright spot to pay attention to for Northern Colorado, Elijah Dotson running back 27 carries for 182 yards as a receiver, also four catches for 29 yards. The, Anyway, I'm not going to talk about Northern Colorado anymore, guys. They're terrible. Like I said, we're going to sprint through these bad teams. Dylan McCaffrey had a good game for him, 19-32 for 232 yards, one touchdown, and threw two picks. But the end. Just I'm just done talking about Northern Colorado until Ed McCaffrey and his uh, coaching staff, meaning his entire family, take the big sky seriously. No one should take Northern Colorado seriously. I'm not going to. The third, third bottom of the barrel, Cal Poly has a really a surprising game with Eastern Washington. Cal Poly, of course, loses 17 to 10. It's more that it was a 17 to 10 affair when both of these teams are just terrible defensively. And, uh, but you know, Cal Poly, they're, they're having some, they experimented at the quarterback. They played, they played their running quarterback a little bit more. Uh, Khalid Paulette, he passed, sorry, Khalid Paulette passed two of four, 14 yards, rushed, five times for 113 yards and a touchdown Uh, third string quarterback, Bo Kelly uh, played as well. He passed 11 for 21 for 102 yards through three picks. So with Jane Jones out for the year for Cal Poly, uh, look, Bo Baldwin's scraping the bottom of the barrel to try to get, to get some magic together. It's just not going to work, but team stat wise, a uh, little interesting to see Northern call to see Cal Poly only accrue 238 yards because this had been the number one passing team in the league, passing over 300 yards per game. But uh, quarterback situation is different. Spencer Brash isn't playing; takes one th- takes one total snap. Jane Jones is out for the year, so uh, Bo Baldwin goes back to the drawing board, and that's it. Look, we're done talking about the bottom of the barrel. The next tier in the conference that, that we're going to look at is uh, I'm going to call that the still in neutral. Number nine, Portland State. Number eight, NAU. Both these are teams early in the year. Those were understood by most Big Sky media as being kind of in the middle of the Big Sky conference where you don't really expect either Portland State or NAU is going to threaten for a playoff spot. 
no one really projected that Portland State or NAU were going to be so bad that they need to only pick up wins against the bottom of the barrel or when Portland State narrowly beat NAU earlier in the, earlier in the year. But that's honestly, that's the out of Portland State and Northern, Northern Arizona, the best win uh, those two teams can have combined is Portland State beating NAU. Uh, this week, Portland State gets killed 56 to 21 in Moscow. Pretty pretty rough game for Idaho in the first half, which means good for Portland State in the first half. Portland State shockingly was able to move the ball pretty dang well, accruing around 270 first half yards. It's a 21-21 game at the half. But then Idaho just blitzes Portland State the rest of the way. Portland State accrues a total of 60 yards in the second half, including negative seven rushing yards in the third quarter. So, yeah, pretty, pretty rough second half for Portland State quarterback Dante Sachere goes 12 25, 205 yards, one touchdown, three picks. Uh, the worst one of the worst rushing teams in the big sky, Portland State, is able to get 128 yards on 40 carries overall, but almost all of that came in the first half. There's almost nothing happening for Portland State second half. Uh, you do have to pay attention to Bo Kelly, wide receiver. He's big sky, all level, ta- all, all big sky level talent, six receptions, 119 yards for and one touchdown, which is an impressive number considering Sashray only threw for 205 total yards on the game, meaning uh, Bo Kelly accrued nearly 60% of those. Uh, but look, Portland State, got to go to the conference stats to let you know, to give you the context of exactly why I'm, I, I am not caring about talking about Portland State. I don't think anyone should. They're officially not interesting anymore. Portland State in conference play, they've played four games. The Vikings have scored 80 total points in four games. They have allowed 178 points in those four games. So Portland State is mostly getting their ass kicked, except the one week when the Vikings beat NAU by seven points and tried very hard to face plant that win away. Yeah, Portland State has, look at their big sky schedule. Lost to Montana, 53-16. Narrowly beat Arizona 30, Northern Arizona, 35-27. Killed by Weber, 42-7. Killed by Idaho, 56-21. So, look, that, that's just who Weber State is. This team cannot score very well. Other than the first half against Idaho, they cannot run. Northern Arizona, not exactly. Northern Arizona, at least for a week, got to look like, hey, maybe they're uh, a little bit more solid. Because Northern Arizona played Idaho State, guys, that that's the only that is the only reason why uh, Northern Arizona against Idaho State wins twenty four to ten. The box score we're going to pay attention to here is RJ Martinez twenty three twenty seven hundred seventy two yards, one touchdown, one pick. Northern Arizona still cannot rush particularly well. Part of that is injury issues. Their number one rusher on the season is Drayson Hall. He go, he has 13 carries against Idaho State for 28 yards. Uh, Hendricks Johnson, seven catches, 50 yards. So I guess, hey, that's the big, that's kind of the box score things that you'll pay attention to. But uh, conference-wise, Northern Arizona, not particularly impressive uh, on the offensive end, averaging 23.8 points per game. And defensively, Northern Arizona, uh, similarly not that impressive. That bottom half defensively in terms of points, giving up 31.4 yards per game. Northern Arizona, the number nine offense and the number nine defense. So, hey, there you go. Uh, Northern Arizona essentially needs, again, to play terrible teams to look okay. Number nine offense, number nine defense. Uh, there you go. Not too much to talk about. 
Next category, uh, reputation still preceding themselves. We have number seven, Eastern Washington, number six, UC Davis. Both of these teams, look, Eastern Washington, clearly they cannot possibly make the playoffs. They have freakish schedule difficulty this year in a rebuilding year. And Eastern Washington just cannot defend, just cannot defend the run whatsoever. Conference play, Eastern Washington on the ground is uh, is giving up 281 and a half yards per game, 5.7 yards per carry. There is a 48 yard per game gap between number 12 rushing defense, Eastern Washington, number 11 rushing defense, Northern Colorado. Uh, this week, Eastern did pick up a 17 to 10 win over Cal Poly. Uh, surprising, again, as, as reference when talking about Cal Poly, surprising that the score was here. Uh, Gunner Talkington goes tw- quarterback goes 21, 29, 170 yards, two touchdowns, two picks uh, on the ground. There was a little bit of success from justice Jackson, 18 carries for 91 yards. Uh, also we had two not Alta here, 15 carries for 61 yards. Uh, although I would not yet assume there's that much magic on the ground in Eastern offensively, either Cal Poly is just terrible defensively all at both at every single facet. So uh, don't read too much into this. In the receiving room, Freddie Roberson, seven catches, 64 yards and a touchdown. Efton Chisholm, Chisholm, the third, six catches, 57 yards and a touchdown. The story for Eastern is they're not as bad as their two and five overall record, but the Eagles are not going to be good enough to overcome the Big Sky schedule they have. Still remain, having already played, uh, looking Big Sky play, Eastern has one win. It was this weekend, Scal Poly. They have they had a close loss to Montana State early, 38-35. A uh, close for half loss at Weber State, 45-21. A close-ish for a half loss. Well, actually, no, it was not, never close against Sacramento State, going down 52-28. So against the good teams, other than Montana State, that's a couple blowouts. Eastern does have Portland State next week. So, look, the Eagles should at least get to 3-5. and five. But after that, we have, the Eagles have real rough matchups at Idaho at Montana. So it just doesn't get easier for Eastern, uh, but they're not as bad as the other teams previously listed. There's talent on Eastern talked about the receiving room already. Gunner Talkington has been solid. Uh, there's enough talent in Eastern to explain why teams need to lo- not look past Eastern. Uh, number six, UC Davis. Uh, Davis just walked all over Northern Colorado as, as already referenced, 58 to 10. That brings Davis's Big Sky record to two and two. They're three and four on the year. Uh, now, this is the schedule Davis had that we've talked about. Everyone knew Davis had a rough first half of the season, and now they have the easiest four week run of Big Sky play imaginable. The AEs are riding a two game winning streak. Last week, they beat Northern Arizona 56 27. This week, they beat Northern Colorado 58 10. They're going to kill Cal Poly next week at Davis. They're going to kill Idaho State the week after at Davis. That's going to bring Davis to five total wins on the season, four in big sky play, but they're all going to be terrible wins. For So Davis may, in theory, be in the playoff, may be in playoff discussions. But if Davis doesn't win out the rest of the year, that means closing out the season at Idaho and at Sacramento state. There's no prayer. This team makes the playoffs. I don't think they're, I don't think this Davis team has what it takes at all to beat Idaho or beat Sacramento state, but there will be momentum heading into those games for Davis that make them a little bit more interesting than maybe they should be in my mind. Uh, Davis in the 
Northern Colorado game this week. They were paced, of course. Uh, Miles Hastings, quarterback, is putting up some pretty good numbers. 18 it goes 18 21 for 251 yards, throws three touchdowns, and uh, he did not play the entire game, shockingly, because Davis won 58 to 10. Uh, Grant Harper in re- in relief, five to six, 30, 32 yards and a touchdown. On the ground, Yulonzo Gilliam. Second best running back in the big sky this season had a on the ground, less impressive game than usual, but Davis certainly didn't need him. Gilliam 14 carries 58 yards uh, in the receiving room. Uh, Gilliam also three catches for 17 yards. A guy to always pay attention to. Trent Tompkins is kind of the trick play guy for Davis. Hasn't been as impactful this season as last season, but uh, Land Larison had four carries for 84 yards and one touchdown. He's a guy to always keep your eyes on, also two catches for 13 yards. So Davis on the season, they're in the part where they're going to build momentum. Uh, again, really interesting in this game over Northern Colorado. Davis only gains 484 yards, still gives up 423, but outscores Northern Colorado 58 to 10 because of the turnovers on the season. Davis has pretty impressive total offensive stats. Uh, Davis right now, the number two total offense just below a juggernaut. We're going to get to in big sky games, Davis crewing 516 yards per game uh, on the ground. Davis Davis is one of the teams that they, they're pretty dang good on the ground, but they're solid to the air as well. 218 and a half uh, yards per game in big sky play, eight touch, eight touchdowns. That's on the ground passing. Davis is the number one pass team. Now that Cal Poly had that rough outing against Eastern av- averaging 297 yards per game in big sky play nine touchdowns and one pick so far on the entire, on the big sky season for Davis. So offensively they are looking pretty impressive. Uh, their their scoring totals are starting to catch up with their their overall yardage because these last two blowout wins over north over northern Arizona and northern Colorado Davis is pumping that number up. They're averaging thirty seven half points per game now, so that's starting to become a little bit more in line with the actual stats that the team's putting up. But again, it came against absolutely terrible terrible teams. Um, this already covered Davis is has two more weeks of playing teams to not care about. So we're going to now move on to interesting teams, Montana the Grizzlies are on a two game losing streak last week, having lost by seven points in Missoula to university of Idaho this week in a top five matchup that was aired on ESPN two real late. Uh, the Gri- Grizz go down in overtime, a game that uh, Grizz fans are both frustrated with the Grizz and frustrated with the Big Sky Conference uh, for reasons we'll get to in, in a second. But uh, yeah, the Grizz go down in overtime Sacramento 31 to 24. Now, first thing I want to talk about is the Grizz dominated Sacramento State defensively for three quarters. Heading into the fourth quarter, Montana leads Sacramento State 17 to 7. And Sacramento State looks just completely ineffectual at every single phase of the game. And then look, if keep in mind, even with that dominating three quarter performance, the Grizz only lead by 10 Sacramento state has a big fourth quarter, 17 points. The Grizz are, even though they were dominating that game, 17 points is not enough against a good team. The Grizz have real offensive struggles that have reared their head. They're really rearing their head now. 
Sacramento State pulls away, brings it to overtime, and then it's only a one-overtime affair. Sacramento State scores a touchdown. Montana does not. Now, the parts of the game that Grizz fans are reasonably upset about. Starting quarterback Lucas Johnson goes down early due to a targeting penalty from Sacramento State. Johnson was on the sideline in you know, street close for the rest of the game. At the time, Johnson went out. He's 6 of 10 for 45 yards through the air. On the ground, he has three rushes for 36 yards. So looking pretty dang effective. Chris Brown plays the major- overwhelming majority of this game for Montana. Goes 16 to 31 for 141 yards, one touchdown. But 31 pass attempts to get to 141 yards. Yeah, we're not even at five yards per attempt. Chris Brown is just not a good big sky starting quarterback. It's inconceivable to me that Montana does not have a better second option. But it was a it was a targeting penalty and a correctly called targeting penalty that made that brought Johnson out of that game. So Grizz fans should be pissed about that. Uh, the other thing Grizz fans should be pissed about late in the fourth quarter, catch by Pierre Williams on a fourth down pass from Jake Dunaway. Rule the catch. Review review cameras for the TV game made it look like Pierre Williams stepped out of bounds on the catch. But the conference review did not have the TV cameras to look at for the review. We don't know what the cameras conference had to actually look at are. So so anyway, it's rule to catch. That's the other part that Grizz fans are probably reasonably pissed about. I thought it looked like relatively close catch and with the cameras available because it looked a little blurry, I expected because it was a rule to catch and not a drop that overturning the call, they would need, it'd be tough to get conclusive evidence only because of technological stuff. But Montana, again, they, they lose two game losing streak. Now the Grizz are in a really, uh, they're in a rougher spot than I believe anyone in the nation thought Montana would be in. Everyone knew Montana had a second half of the season. That's, pretty rough. Uh, it's more that people didn't understand this, that rough second half of the season would start against Idaho. Most thought that the rough run for the Grizz was the last five weeks of the season, not the last six. The remaining schedule for Montana uh, is uh, two games rough, two games not. Uh, the issue for the Grizz is with five wins and four games left, look, there's entire the Grizz should still be understood as a team's probably going to make the playoffs, but Montana they might have to pick up a win over either Weber state or Montana state to really solidify that resume. Because if the Grizz go two and two, the rest of the way that puts Montana at seven and four with their best win on the season, maybe be what being a toss up between, well, it might be Eastern at that point or a toss up between like Indiana state or South Dakota. So no real good wins on the resume yet for the Grizz. Uh, a seven five Montana team with no quality wins. Um, don't know what the playoff committee would think about that, but you have to think people in Missoula are not quite slamming the panic button, but they're moving pretty close. And the reason to even think about slamming the panic button in Montana, it's just offensively like in the, in this game, I already covered Chris Brown stats on the game, uh, but the Grizz team stats they gained 386 total yards against uh, Sacramento State. Again, Montana has a fantastic defense, but it just it wore down in the third in the fourth quarter. And Sacramento State's good offensively, so it's just very tough to give your your defense no margin of error the entire game against a nationally elite looking team. 
On the ground, Montana rushes 54 times for 200 yards. So that's 3.7 yards per rush. But that includes a 25-yard rush from Lucas Johnson early. I mean, we'll take that 25-yard rush out, and now we're we're talking closer to just an a direct average of three-ish yards per rush. So re- Montana real and effective through the air and on the ground this game, uh, which matches how they've been in big sky play. Uh, the Grizz passing offense, the number 10 in the league, 203 yards per game, seven, seven touchdowns, 5.8 yards per pass. Rushing offense for the Grizz, they're the number six in the league. Uh, 160.8 yards per game, but their their per rush average also number six, 4.2. But that 4.2 yards per game yards per rush average for the Grizz, the teams they're above rushing are all just very bad rushing teams in the big sky. Teams like Idaho State, Northern Colorado, Eastern, Northern Arizona, Cal Poly, Portland State. People, teams who, if you've listened to the show, you've heard me a thousand times say all those teams cannot rush very well. Well, that's the level that Montana's rushing the football at this season, which for an, a team as good as Montana, if that's the offensive output they're going to have, there's really no option except for the Grizz to just play damn well perfect defensively and in special teams. And look, that's another thing that the Grizz second game in a row a team, Idaho did it, and then Sacramento State did it, recovers an important onside kick in the second half. This one against Sac, from Sac State came in the fourth quarter. That was part of the comeback for Sac State. So uh, Montana reel back. They're back to the drawing board because Weber State, Weber State, honestly, I think is a worse matchup for Montana than Sacramento State because Weber State can, they can score as well like Sacramento state, but uh, Weber state is a much stronger defensive team. And Montana was completely ineffective moving the ball against Sacramento state in the first place. Uh, real question. If Lucas Johnson is going to be back, if Lucas Johnson plays the entire game against Sacramento state, I probably think that Montana wins because Chris Brown is just not a quality big sky quarterback. That's don't mean to put the, the guy down. It's just, we we've seen Chris Brown play across two seasons and, there is really no difference this season compared to last season. The guy just can't complete pass, can, cannot complete enough passes, and opposing defenses are just going to dare Montana to complete passes if Chris Brown is playing. So, honestly, next week against Weber State, if Chris Brown's playing, I don't know if there's any hope for Montana. So, fingers crossed, Lucas Johnson is cleared uh, concussion wise. Not to say he had a concussion, but the dude was had helmet's helmet hit and then was out the rest of the game. So that's the speculation. Bobby Howe never talks about injuries in public. Uh, number four team. Weber State, guys. Uh, Weber State, they were my number one. They, they fall to number four. Real weird game for Weber State against Montana State. And, man, this actually, the Weber State game received national news and not for any sort of good reason. Uh, Weber State goes down. And, really, the, one of the weirdest games, I was following it game cast and watched some replay because I, I was at the Idaho game, I, so I can actually talk Idaho for sure. Uh, but really weird rhythm to the Weber State-Montana State game. So we'll talk about the Weber State angle of this. But Weber State leads early. Uh, they're up 24 to six in the second quarter. And 
look, the story that received national news for Weber State is Jay Hill, great special teams coach. Year in and year out, Weber State has won games partially because they'll get points on special teams. They will they'll get first downs from special teams. Jay Hill, it's it has been virtually impossible to out scheme Jay Hill in special teams. Well, Weber State special teams surrendered four safeties to Montana State, all off just terrible snaps from their long snapper. Who uh, after the game, Jay Hill, Jay Hill, um, you know, talking to the media, said pretty positive things about the long snapper, which is the right thing to do because the dude hasn't been throwing. Uh, accidental passes out the back of the end zone all season. This is an out of nowhere thing. Uh, kind of like, you know, if you're a baseball fan from the nineties, Chuck Knobloch, second baseman for the Yankees at the time had the, had this weird mental lapse where he just could not make throw from second base to first base. And it was flooring because Knobloch had a, he was a pro. So of course he had no problem with that until the, the dreaded year where the mental lapse took place. Four snaps over the head. Uh, that that become safeties fcs record of safeties uh, allowed uh, if you look at the weaver state state angle or forced if you look at the montana state angle but the game goes back and forth uh, montana state you know claws back scores 18 in the second quarter 16 in the third quarter but then weaver state weaver state's in position to win this game driving uh they end up losing 43 to 38. They're in, they're around the 25 ish yard line, fourth down. Bronson Barron throws just a dime to, to receiver, bounces off the receiver's hands. Game over for Weber State. Um, Bronson Barron also missed an end zone strike on the third down prior. So a, a back and forth game that Weber State, in spite of giving up eight points on safeties and the associated momentum of, Eight of eight points on safeties that you know that's going to have on a team, uh, on you know the psyche of the team, the energy of the team. Weaver State still crawls back, makes it a game. Uh, box score wise, Bronson Barron goes fourteen to thirty, so uh, suboptimal game for Barron, but Montana State is good for one hundred fifty one yards, one touchdown. Uh, Dante McMillan leads Weaver State on the ground, nine rushes for seventy six yards. Uh, Ty McPherson fought, leads the way in the receiving room, like I say he will every week for Weaver State, five receptions for sixty nine yards. And a touchdown. Uh, team stat wise, Weber State, one of their worst offensive games of the season, accruing 338 total yards. Uh, probably their worst defensive game of the season by far, giving up 487 yards. But still, it's a five point game for Weber State in spite of the four safeties and Weber State getting dominated time of possession. Uh, Weber State has the ball for only 22 total minutes. Uh, so overall, for the Wildcats, look, they drop, they drop one. They've got six wins on the season, five that count for the playoffs, including an FBS win. But remainder of their schedule, different from Cal, uh, from UC Davis. Weber State now has back-to-back. Now they get to host them uh, back-to-back. Montana, as already covered in the Montana, in the Montana section a moment ago, and following Montana this week, Weber State hosts Sacramento State. So back-to-back, again, games that really matter for playoff contention. Weber State is still in the running to win the Big Sky Championship, or at least to share the Big Sky Championship. You'd have to say Montana's probably out with two Big Sky losses when we have – there's three teams at the top of the conference with no Big Sky losses yet. Weber State has one, and Weber State can uh, take down one of the undefeated teams in two weeks. There's nothing Weber State can do about Montana State or Idaho. Well, nothing about, that Weber can do about Montana, Montana State anymore, having lost this week. 
uh, and nothing they can do about Idaho. But uh, Weber State still in the running for conference championship. They just don't control their own destiny. Uh, you'd have to expect Weber is probably fine, even if they drop in terms of making the playoffs. If they drop these back-to-back matchups against Montana and against Sacramento State. Uh, but really that Montana Weaver state game is going to mean a ton for both these teams for Montana, getting that quality win for a playoff resume and riding the ship for Weber state stopping a two week, what could be back-to-back losses like Montana's dealing with right now. But Weber state also could keep their, their uh, chances of sharing a conference championship alive with a win. Uh, there's a chance that's not on the table because Montana state, we're going to get to their, they have a pretty dang easy schedule compared to the rest of the top of the conference. Uh, but look, Weber State overall, the, even with this rough game, Weber State is still radically improved on the offensive end. Uh, they have the number five total offense in Big Sky yards per game at 427 yards per game. They have the number five scoring offense in the Big Sky, scoring 35 and a half points per game in Big Sky play. So they're still putting points in the end zone. And look, even this game, just like I said, Weber State on yardage this was the worst one of the worst big sky games for weber state but they still score 38 points so like this this offense still works uh, defensively weber state still number they're the number two scoring defense giving up 20.8 points a game that's after that, giving up 43 this week and total in total defense weber state they're a little bit lower at number five giving up 365 yards per game but they're pretty dang the number two, three, and four in the big number two, three, four, and five in the big sky in uh, total total yards allowed per game, which that's Montana, Sacramento State, Montana State, Weber State. The gap in yards per game in those those teams is 15 total to go from number two to number five. So that's just a swath of very good defenses. Idaho, they're in a different world, but. Uh, We'll see if that world holds up against Sacramento State this week. So, look, done talking about Weber State uh, as as a team, uh, but some individual leaders for uh, for Weber State. Dante McMillan, running back, he's the number f- number six rusher in Big Sky play, averaging seventy five and a half yards per game and nine point two yards per carry. In the receiving room, Ty McPherson's the number five receiver, eighty one point eight yards per game in Big Sky play two touchdowns averages 16.4 yards per catch. So those are some names to pay attention to for Weber state, especially if you're Montana number three in our rankings, Idaho. Uh, what a turnaround in Moscow, uh, Jason Eck. And uh, we have to talk about defensive coordinator, Rob orange. Cause it, Rob orange is having a very impressive year for a guy in his first season as a division one defensive coordinator. Yeah. Rob orange. That's a name to remember in this conference, but Things are turning around in Moscow. Idaho kills Portland State 56 to 21. This was a this game mirrored Idaho's big sky opener against Northern Colorado. That game, Idaho won 55-35. This one, Idaho won 56-21. The mirror I'm talking about is both those teams, look, both Northern Colorado and Portland State, they're bad teams. Portland State theoretically is better, but I, I don't know. They both suck. Idaho in the first half defensively is just a mess. Both those games in against Northern Colorado, it was blown assignments against Portland state. Uh, Portland state's a terrible rushing team. And Idaho was just getting blown up on the offensive line in the first half. Uh, Sash Ray also had some success through the air in the first half as well, mostly in the second quarter. So we're in the first quarter, Portland state was able to run 
in a way that was just shocking relative to having seen the rest of Big Sky season. Uh, in the second quarter, it was passing. Sash Ray accrued most of his passing, over 100, about 117 passing yards in the second quarter, and the dude only finished 205 passing yards on the game. It's 21 to 21 at halftime. After halftime, Idaho's defense completely dismantled Portland State. 60 total yards surrendered in the second half. And then Idaho explodes for 35 points in the second half, 42 unanswered points on the game. So Idaho get rough first half, but just kills Portland State. The Vandals accrue 571 yards on the ground, surrender 333. Uh, the, The split here, Idaho's a run first team. Idaho passes 20 times. Giovanni McCoy, quarterback for Idaho, uh, Jerry Rice not award nominee for freshman of the year. He goes 10 of 19 for 248 yards, throws four touchdowns. McCoy also catches a touchdown, a 14 yard catch on a trick play, which also include a little bit of nice footwork from McCoy to get to evade a couple tacklers and get into the end zone on the ground. Idaho, Idaho rushes just all over Portland state. Now this is a thing that was consistent in the entire game. Idaho couldn't defend the rush in the first half. They had no trouble in the second half. Idaho had no trouble rushing essentially the entire game. They rushed 40 times for 309 yards at 7.7 average, led the way by true freshman Anthony Woods. 15 carries for 130 yards and a touchdown, a long of 27. Uh, Woods had zero catches. He's a straight up runner. Uh, the number two rusher on the game is Andre Carter for Idaho, but five rushes on for 92 yards. But that, that was actually garbage time. It was great to see the big man rumble 83 yards for an almost touchdown. Uh, but the story of the game on the ground was Anthony Woods. Look, in big sky play, Anthony Woods is the number four, five rusher in the big sky at a per game basis, 101.4 yards per rush. So no, my bad. That's Elijah Dotson, number four. Anthony Woods, number four, 85.5 yards per game on the ground. Only has two touchdowns because typically Idaho have Roshan Johnson punch in the short touchdowns. But Woods is averaging six yards per carry in big sky play. He's unbelievably tough to bring down. Always seems like he makes one tackler miss. So just an electric guy to, to pay attention to for Idaho going forward. In the receiving room, Idaho has the number one receiver in big sky play, Jermaine Jackson, four receptions in four games, 22 receptions, three touchdowns, averaging 19 yards per catch and 106 yards per game. The Vandals have the number four receiver in the conference as well in Hayden Hatton. He's averaging 94 yards per game, five touchdowns. He's Hatton's a converted tight end. He has incredible hands. He doesn't have the speed of Jackson, but he's a great end zone target. Jermaine Jackson has speed and he also contributes in special teams as well. So Vandals now are undefeated in big sky play. They're going to travel to Sacramento state this week and compete in a game that the winner of this game of Sacramento state, Idaho, because both these teams are undefeated in big sky play. Uh, let's go to the standings real quick, just to contextualize this, just talking about the top teams. I don't care about lower teams. The teams competing for the Big Sky Conference Championship still are uh, number four in conference, Weber State. They're 3-1 and one in conference. Everyone above Weber State is undefeated. Idaho's 4-0, Sac State's 4-0, Montana State's 3-0, and Montana State has three games left. They do have the leg up because they have the easiest schedule in my mind with only Brawl the Wild last week of the season against Montana in Bozeman as a potentially losable game. The Cats are on by this week. Idaho's not. The Vandals 
whoever wins the Sacramento State Idaho game this week in Sacramento, six o'clock Pacific time, they're going to be in the driver's seat to probably tie Montana State for Kobe Sky champion because Idaho, look, Idaho can go undefeated. They're not going to play Montana State. So there's nothing Montana State can, Idaho can do about Montana State. There's nothing Sacramento State can do about Montana State either because neither of those teams play the Bobcats. So this is really to see who is in that 1A or 1B position to share a conference title this week, Idaho against Sacramento State. Uh, it's just interesting matchup from the Idaho angle because on the season, now Idaho, they have not played some of the better offenses in the Big Sky. We do need to contextualize that when we're about to go over their team defensive stats. But relative to the games Idaho has played, Montana's the best Big Sky team Idaho has played. Uh, the best total Big Sky offense Idaho has played. Northern Arizona, shocking. Um, yeah, Idaho, look, these defensive numbers, sorry about that uh, that momentary pause. Just a little shocked to see it. Idaho's defensive numbers are based off of playing the bottom four offenses in Big Sky play. But defensively right now, Idaho is the top defensive team in the league, giving up 282.5 yards per game. So looking at the pass rush split, Idaho on the ground is giving up just 77.8 yards per game and 2.8 yards per rush. That giving up 2.8 yards per rush ties with Montana as the best per at the best per rush level in the league. Against the pass, Idaho is the is the number three pass defense, giving up 204 yards per game, 6.4 yards per pass. But the Vandals have picked off eight passes, which leads the league. However, keep in mind, it's it's great defense ever from Idaho. I don't want to take that away, but it, the sled, the second half of the schedule is going to be a bit tougher for Idaho uh, in terms of the offenses they play, especially with Sac State this week. Uh, not doing game prediction on Sac State, Idaho here. I'll do that on the Tuesday show on Tubbs at the club. Uh, but real interesting matchup for the Idaho end is Giovanni McCoy has been very good for Idaho. Will he be able to exploit the Sacramento State secondary like he was able to exploit the Montana secondary? The other matchup question is just covered Idaho's real strong uh, rush, team rushing totals, uh, team defense against rushing. Well, the, the rushing offense of Sacramento State is uh, – Pretty, pretty dang impressive. They're averaging 281 yards per game, rushing rushing um, 5.9 yards per game in Big Sky play. They've rushed for 14 touchdowns. So on the ground, Sacramento State, real effective. Uh, through the air, Sacramento State, their numbers are solid, 266.5 yards per game passing. Uh, I will say Jake Dunaway against Montana, did not look particularly impressive with his accuracy for almost the entire game. And if you're going to exploit Montana, it's going to be through the secondary. Um, I guess, but I guess how Idaho handles the Sacramento state rushing attack and Asher O'Hara, the running quarterback for Sacramento state, how Idaho's deep rushing defense is going to be able to handle O'Hara. Uh, Cause O'Hara does still pass. He's a relatively effective short yardage passer, but if Idaho's defense is for real relative numbers they are putting up, we're going to see, we're going to see that because this is Sacramento state and FCS play is easily the best rushing team I've played all season. Moving, moving from three, we have a two way tie at the top of the conference, Sacramento state, Montana state. I'll finish talking about Sacramento state. Cause I just talked about Sacramento state for a while and that, that, you know, the matchup 
that's interesting for them is so that the incredible rushing attack Sacramento state has against Idaho's rushing defense. But this week uh, Sacramento state covered the Montana game already, but you know, this, I guess the Sacramento state end you would take is one. The Hornets have lost one big sky game. This is there. We're th- in year three of Troy Taylor at Sacramento state in year one, Sacramento state goes seven, one in big sky play last year. The Hornets go eight and oh in big sky play right now. The Hornets sit at four and oh in big sky play seven and oh on the season uh, box score stuff for Sacramento state. Again, overtime win 31, 24 over Montana has come from behind win, scoring 17 points in the fourth quarter to erase a 10 point deficit. <sighs> Through the air, Jake Dunaway, 19 to 36, 284 yards, two touchdowns, three picks. That's why a moment ago when talking about Idaho, I said Dunaway, there's times where he does not look impressive. There's times where he looks solid. He's not a bad quarterback. But uh, Dunaway can certainly struggle uh, at, at times with accuracy and throwing picks. On the ground, though, Sacramento State is damn good. Uh, Montana's one of the – if they're not the best rushing defense in the big sky, they're one of them. And Cameron Scadaboo – Rushes 13 times for 111 yards against Montana. Asher O'Hara, quarterback, rushes 13 times for 56 yards and two touchdowns. On the season, Cameron Scadaboo is leading the Big Sky, leading Big Sky in, in rushing yards at 130 per game, 521 yards on the season, averaging 7.3 yards per rush, has rushed for three touchdowns. Uh, Scadaboo is also a threat through, through the air. Uh, not not to the extent that, you know, like a Ulonzo Gilliam is for UC Davis, but uh, Scadaboo certainly is going to hurt teams at least once as a receiver per, in a game. Sorry, sorry, per game. Good Lord. Sacramento State, they're clearly a rush. They're a rush first team. R- rushing is their strength. Uh, if you look at the big sky leaders in receiving, the number one receiving target for Sacramento State is tight end Marshall Martin. He has three touchdowns, averages 72 yards per game, has 20 receptions in four games. So that's you know, five catches per game. Uh, just spent a second talking about the Idaho-Sacramento State angle, but I, I just got to reiterate the story of Idaho and Sacramento State playing for a leg up in, uh, in winning the conference title is to me an incredible story of two Two programs making home run hires. Everyone already knew Troy Taylor at Sacramento State was a home run hire because that's all he's been since he was at Sacramento State. Uh, Jason Eck now doing his version of that in Idaho. Uh, the ongoing joke in, in media about Sacramento State is, uh, yeah, there's going to be four fans there. If you see, if you watch Sacramento State game, just accept that in the Big Sky, sometimes uh, the broadcasts are a bit deceiving about how many fans are in attendance because big sky teams don't always have a ton of great cameras. Like we talked about with the uh, camera work available for that replay that uh, gave Sacramento state this win, because that replay, uh, the Pierre Williams catch late in the game, that probably that should have been an incomplete pass. And that would have been a turnover on downs. Sacramento state's comeback done, but through the catch. But anyway, reason I'm saying that Sacramento state, the side of the stadium, you can't see during the broadcast. That's where the cameras are. The, the grandstand for Sacramento State was pretty dang full on the, their home side. Students rush field at the end of the game. So, like, there is, some, there is some excitement building in non-Montana Big Sky programs, which is great news. There's incredible excitement in both those Montana schools. It's good for the conference that other 
other teams are starting to get better attendance and that other teams are making this a competitive conference where we have five teams that I've had to spend time on this week talking about who may or may not be competing for Big Sky Championship. Montana's out of the picture. Sacramento State is not out of the picture. They control their destiny against Idaho. Uh, The weakness of Sacramento State defensively is no question through the air. Sacramento State, not a particularly great pass defense. They're they're number four overall, so the numbers aren't awful. Uh, My bad. No, they are not number four. Uh, The Sacramento State pass defense is number five in yards per game, giving up 235 uh, per game five touchdowns on the season. So not terrible, but you can certainly see moments if you when you watch a Sac State game where you understand why uh, teams are going to attack him through the air. Montana just was not equipped with Chris Brown to be a guy who was going to, to stretch Sacramento State at all. Giovanni McCoy is a different question. Giovanni McCoy has looked good for every single Big Sky game. Honestly, going 10 to 19 for 245 yards against Portland State was McCoy's worst FCS passing game of the season. And the dude threw four touchdowns and no picks. He could have thrown about three, but he threw none. So if Sacramento State's uh, if Sacramento State looks suspect through the air, you'd expect Idaho is going to try to exploit that uh, this week on the ground. Sacramento State total defense, uh, they're they're fine. They're number three rush defense in the league, 117 yards per game. Uh, their per yard average surrendered is 3.4, which is good right now for number three in the conference, uh, just below Idaho and Montana State. We'll see how that holds up over the next two weeks when Sacramento State has Idaho this week and then Weber State the week after. Uh, Sacramento State just to hit their schedule because they're one of all the good teams are playing each other now. Uh, after, after Idaho... Sacramento State has Weber State. If the Hornets can get through that gauntlet with two wins, they're probably going to tie for winning the league going 8-0 because they close at Portland State and versus UC Davis. Uh, But getting through Idaho and Weber State undefeated is going to be a pretty tall task. Uh, Sacramento State probably has the roughest remaining schedule of the of the rest of the big best big sky teams. You'd say Montana had the worst. If you go back two weeks, but Montana, Montana with two losses, they're no longer really in the conference championship picture. And uh, the other number one team we're going to spend our time talking about is Montana state had that. Look, they, they were down uh, 31, six against Weber state or 31, nine against Weber state 24, six at one point. And Montana State came back. Looked like they were going to completely blow the doors off of Weber State. Uh, led going into the fourth quarter, 43-32. Then Montana State did not score in the fourth quarter. And Weber State absolutely put themselves in position to win. But the Cats hold on to the win. The Cats did not have the special team difficulties The special teams difficulties Weber State had. So Montana State gets a win. They're in the driver's seat to win the league now, sitting at 7-1 on the season. Their one loss coming to Oregon State. That's Pac-12 Oregon State. in conferences, Montana State. And with this win over Weber State, look, that's the most impressive. On paper, that's the best Big Sky win of the Big Sky season so far. So credit Montana State. Tommy Mallott at running back. Sean Chambers also did not play this game for Montana State. Sean Chambers leads the the 
Big Sky in rushing touchdowns with uh, 16. So that's a weapon who is not in there for Montana State. Still no Isaiah Fonse for the entire season. But Tommy Lott against one of the best defenses, if not the best defenses, he's going to go against in this season. Uh, goes 15 to 23 through the air, throws one touchdown, one pick. All, but the story is Malat rushes 32 times for 273 yards and three touchdowns. That's the numbers that made media media figures pick Tommy Malat as preseason all big sky quarterback. Numbers like that are more the video game numbers we saw of Tommy Malat in the FCS playoffs in the in his couple starts last year. Numbers like that are going to make people like me quit talking about Sean Chambers as being a, a guy who maybe should be quarterback for Montana State and just say, look, Tommy Malott or Sean Chambers, whoever's there is fine. Malott seems also kind of like the leader of this team. And Sean Chambers, he can rush very well like Malott. So when he's healthy, he's going to fit in. Lane Sumner is also back for Montana State. Second week he's always played. He rushes 12 times for 44 yards, uh, bottled up a little bit by Weber State. Uh, on the season uh, individual leaders uh, for rushing for Montana State. Uh, Sean Chambers, who again did not play, stat correction myself. Sean Chambers has nine rushing touchdowns. The Big Sky plays 16 on the season. Chambers, top rusher for Montana State right now, averaging 109.3 yards per game. He's played in four games. Number two rusher for Montana State, Lane Sumner, is the number seven rusher in the Big Sky, 68 and a half yards per game, 5.6 yards per carry and um look if tommy Malott is going to keep having games like this he's going to slam up the big sky rushing list but uh that's the identity of montana state they run the ball they run the ball pretty damn well uh, top receiver for montana state guy to pay attention to is willie patterson 58.2 yards per game on the season uh, against weber state willie patterson five catches for 25 yards didn't find the end zone but patterson on the year is having the kind of season look yes patterson has eight touchdown catches this season 411 receiving yards total uh, he's putting up a case to be all big sky as a wide receiver on a team that does not pass very much relative uh, to how strong the team is offensively so look there you go montana state sitting at number one this has been presented by hughes rivers Ex expedition you guys because it's a tubs of the club broadcast show hughes river expedition we'll get to them in a second but montana state gotta just talk about their schedule to close the season uh montana state gets a couple week they're they're on by this week actually a lot of big sky teams are on by four nau montana state northern colorado idaho state so montana state's someone you care about but rest of the season after the bye montana state gets to coast through early November, because not playing this week, then on a, November 5th, the Cats travel to Northern Arizona. November 12th, Cats travel to Cal Poly. Then the, the real question about whether Montana State can finish the Big Sky season undefeated is just the final week of the season at home, November 19th against Montana. But look, number Montana State number one, I can't really argue with that because the Cats now have the most impressive win on the season in big sky play and their lone loss early in the year is to a good pac 12 team. So uh, look, th this is now how we're going to run this. We're just going to pay a lot more attention to championship implications, playoff implications. Uh, at this point, we Montana state is damn clearly a playoff team. They're playing for seeding. Uh, that's, 
That's the show, guys. So this has been brought to you by Hughes River Expedition. If you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Hughes River Expeditions has been Vandal-owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on a vacation of a lifetime. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River no return, the Salmon River Canyons on the Subway. You can check out special trips like the one to see the Perced Meteor Shower as well. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, and fish some of the most remote stretches of the river in the country. You just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. So give you River Expedition a call. Grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Thank you, everyone who is viewing live. Had a had decent number. Uh, we've had decent, we've had a growing audience for this show too. So if you like you like shows like this covering the entire big sky hit the subscribe button for tubs of the club. We get to a thousand viewers, uh, subscribers. We get paid by YouTube, uh, and follow other big sky podcast network entities guys. If you're a vandal is on the fence, join our discord and other vandal stuff at patreon.com backslash tubs of club. We're going to call that a night. I'm going to start hammering buttons to close the show. Thank you. See you next week. If you're a vandal, we'll see you Tuesday for our, the tubs of club preview against Sacramento State. Motherfucker. This is producer Brian doing a terrible job. Uh